You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wyatt, Terry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, JT Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Robin Mock, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm super excited to have Claire Douglas back on the show with us. Uh, she was on about a year ago and uh, had a fantastic conversation about her book, Then She Vanishes. But today... We're here to talk about her brand new book, The Couple at Number Nine. It's been out for about a month now, and let me tell you what, this book is uh, is causing sleepless nights for a lot of readers. I, I know this is such a good book, and in Claire Douglas fashion, it is twisty and and turny and uh, and guaranteed to to leave you looking over your shoulder <laughs> like. <laughs> Like great thrillers do. Welcome back to the show, Claire. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you back. Uh, Claire, there's a question that I've been asking people lately, and it's kind of a, a fun um, way to, to kick off conversation. And uh, is there a piece of writing advice uh, yeah. that you received, uh, you know, somewhere along your writing journey? And maybe it was a great piece of advice that you look back on and you know, are, are thankful that you had this advice to refer back on, or maybe it's uh, writing advice that's so terrible that you just can't help, you know, looking back on and think, oh, I'm so glad I didn't take that, or I <laughs> wish I would not have taken that. Um, I think the I think actually I had quite a good advice from someone. I can't remember who it was. I might have been an author. I I read like an article that they had, um, like an interview they had. And um, it was about to write your book and not keep reading over what you've already written, but just to write the whole thing and not look back at it and then worry about it at the end. Um, and I think that works well for me, not to keep going back over the same chapters, you know, just to keep moving forward with it. And, and that that is the temptation, isn't it, that that you you want that first chapter especially to just be perfect. And and the temptation is that you never finish the book because yes. <laughs> you, you keep going over that first chapter. I, I know that's such a temptation. Yes. Yeah. So that really helped me. I, I still think about that now. I still think, right, get on with it. Stop going over the same chapters over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> the couple at number nine. Uh, how many books is this for you now? That's number, gosh, that's number seven. Number seven. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, the last time we talked, we we talked about the, uh, you know, the the early days of your writing career and and how you like like a lot of people, um, you know, just felt like that this was such an uh, unattainable dream uh, almost at at times. Um, looking back now, with you know seven books under your belt, um, how how do you view where you are now? versus you know when you were first breaking in does, does the storytelling get any easier knowing that you've had success I think I think actually I find it harder now almost because I think you're always trying to sort of you, you keep thinking I think oh this might have just been a one-off you know like right. I managed to do it once what if I can't do it again 
And I think that every single time I'm like, I just didn't think I could do it. I can't write. I can't remember how to write. So it, for me, it, it sort of, I think, and the pressure as well. Like if you've had a book that's done well, you, you want your next book to do well. And, and so you, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Was when I think I wrote my first one, I didn't have any, there was no expectation. It was just, you know, it was almost like writing it for myself. Was now I'm writing it with readers in mind, with my editor in mind. So in some ways, I think it's harder. Yeah. You know, it's it's really interesting talking to people that have just broken into the industry over the last year or two because they never knew what it was like to launch a book not during a pandemic. Oh, and yeah. and you know, you, you had several before the pandemic and then you you launched a book during the pandemic and then you know also trying to write a book during that time. Um first off, how, did you and your family fare uh, okay through that and and yeah. how did that experience affect your creative life? Yeah, it was really, it was difficult because the couple at number nine was my, I suppose, my lockdown book. Because that was the book I was writing when, um, when everything went to lockdown in the UK. And um, my daughter and my son, they both were um, homeschooled. I had to homeschool them as well. So right. it was really difficult to uh, find the time to sort of, you know, get away from everything and concentrate. So I wrote that book quite quickly. And I think in some ways that actually helped it because I wrote it quite quickly. When they went, I wrote it when they went back to school, like most of it when they went back to school, because I kept thinking I need to get as much down as I can because they might be off again. And they were off again because we had a few lockdowns here in the UK. So um, I, that sort of gave me like the momentum to write it as quickly as I could because I knew that it might not be for very long before they were back home again being homeschooled. So that sort of gave me like, you know, the kick that I needed to finish it and to do it quickly so actually it was probably out of all my books i've i've written i've i wrote that the quickest so wow can can you look back at that story now and and tell that it was a a, a lockdown pandemic book does does it have uh are, are there things about the story that that just kind of scream you know we're we're all locked down uh <laughs> you know is it that yeah. sort of book or is it just a is it a, a different connection that you have with I the think, book? I think you're right. I think it is because it's set in a small little village and it's set like in a cottage, really. Um, so it's quite a claustrophobic book. And I think that probably, you know, um, ha- has a knock on effect from the fact that I felt claustrophobic at home. It's stuck in the house, not being able to really go anywhere. And they are sort of in that same situation because in it, um, the couple, they obviously they find bodies and there's lots of journalists outside and they feel like they can't really go out of the house. Um, so I think that definitely had a, a knock-on effect. I think that was like an inspiration for the book, the fact that we were going through a similar thing here, being locked in. Yeah. Um, w- one thing that I love hearing about, Claire, is the the beginnings uh, of a project. You know, at, at one point, the couplet number nine did not exist in, in any form or fashion. And then, you know, in, an idea pops in, into your head and you start kind of casting this plot device maybe with with people or or maybe a character just walks onto the stage of your mind and you're you know what what is she up to and uh yeah. you know and then it, it, in some fashion the couple at number nine does exist and then it's your job as the writer to dig that story out excavate it polish it up and, and all of that w- what was that first moment of inspiration like for this book yeah, so I so years ago I was um, a journalist, and one of the stories I had to cover was this couple who found a skeleton in their basement. They were like they were doing a um, a kitchen extension, and 
they found it. It was a really old skeleton dating back to like Roman times. But that that story's always sort of been in my head, thinking what would what would happen if that hadn't been, you know, like a Roman times skeleton, but actually a crime had been committed. Um, so that was the sort of the start of the inspiration for that story. And then I, I the twist, which I can't give away, but there's a twist in it that I've been thinking about for a while. And that I thought this would work really well with this story. Um, so those were the two things that I thought about, first of all. And then I quite liked the thought of doing a, a, a sort of, um, you know, generation thing of a, of a, a grandmother, the daughter and the granddaughter and and the secrets that sort of you know, the, the span of generations. So that was the inspiration for that, really. That's how it started. So as, as you're, as these kind of ideas start coming to you, do you start collecting, um, you know, the ideas like, oh, this this could be a part, this could this could play into it? Like, what what is your, your fact gathering like in the early stages of writing? So I have like, I, I think I have like the main idea and the twist. And then I think that then the characters sort of come to me. And then as I started writing, uh, most of it comes as I'm writing it. So when I was writing the story of Rose, who is the grandmother, who um, is the, she goes into a, a, a nursing home because she's got dementia and it's her cottage that she hands down to her granddaughter. And so the bodies that are found in the cottage in the, in the garden, they date back to when Rose lived there. So then I have a backstory of Rose um, and her lodger, Daphne, um, and that story, that was that was like a, a natural, organic story that actually that there's some relationship between those two women that came as I started writing it. So they started with, I thought they were going to be friends. And then as I was writing, it, I thought, no, they need to be a couple. They need to be in love. So that was like a different, that was something that I hadn't really planned. So sometimes things happen that you're not expected to happen. They sort of take up, you know, they sort of take up their own like life. Yeah. How how much of the story do you know before you start writing that first draft? Like, are you a, a big planner ahead of time and, you know, kind of sketch out a roadmap? Uh, or are you the kind of writer that writes a little bit, kind of gets to know the characters and then understands where the story's going? Yeah, I think I'm a bit of both. So I, I definitely like to have uh, the sort of main plot, the twist and the ending. I'd like to know who is the baddie if you want who is the the you know the uh the victims who's the culprit um and then everything else i think i it sort of comes to me as i'm writing it um as i get to know the characters i think by the halfway point i'm not i'm normally like right i know what's going on i know i really understand this now um but i do have like i do have a rough like outline before i start because i think otherwise i'd think I, if i didn't know anything about it i think i'd get myself like in knots trying to figure it all out. So I have to have it sort of figured out before I start the, writing. The main character that we meet, uh, Saffron or Safi, as, as yeah. she uh, goes by, um, she, as you alluded to, she inherits this this place from her grandmother and is excited. Um, she has a boyfriend, Tom, who she's with, and she's pregnant. Um, these are, it, it, it's almost like you, you stack um, you know, like, like, what could I, what could I use to ratchet up the tension? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> let's, let's give her a boyfriend. Let's make her pregnant. Let's, you know, <laughs> do, do you think about things like that when you're kind of first working on these characters and, and what can I, what can I use against them? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I think it was, 
um, really important because because the thread that goes through the story is the relationship between the grandmother, the mother, and the do- and the granddaughter. So, um, so Safi Saffron, she hasn't got a, a great relationship with her mother Lorna because Lorna had her when she was quite young. So Safi always felt she was closer to her grandmother Rose. Um, so it wasn't until she has her own baby or that she's pregnant herself that she can really understand uh, what it was like for her mum. So I wanted her to sort of experience being pregnant so that she could sort of by the end of the book because she has the baby at the end of the book uh, understand um what it was like to be a mother and understand sort of maybe sort of appreciate her own mother in a in a better way and to realize that the things that Lorna did is not you know it wasn't it was, it was still out of love but it's hard you know it's hard being a parent so that was why I wanted her to be pregnant so I always knew she was going to be pregnant wow that's uh man um so when you're when when you're kind of looking at at uh, the twist, um, is, is that something that you're excited about in writing? Like, you know, I can't wait to get up to this place where I can completely throw the reader off. Like, like, how do you think about the the twist and the 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 misdirection of readers? Yes, I think uh, I do love writing the twist. <laughs> That's my favorite bit. Um, and what's quite fun about it is because obviously, you you know, I know the twist. So I know as I'm writing it, well, how I'm trying to throw the reader off because I know what the twist is going to be. Um, but sometimes little things happen. Like, so I knew what the twist was going to be. But then as a few little things that as I put in there, I thought, oh, this is quite a good idea to put in there because this will work really well when the twist is revealed. Um, like little little clues, I suppose, that don't really mean anything at first to whoever's reading it until afterwards when the twist is apparent. and then. They can go back and think, oh, that's this is what she meant when she said this or this happened. Um, so, yeah, so the, so the twist for me is it's the exciting bit. It's the bit where, you know, it all comes together. And and the twist comes about in this one, the twist comes about, the, I think, two thirds in. Um, and then it was really good fun because I had to write then from a different there's a, someone else comes into it, a different voice. And that was fun to write as well. So I did really enjoy writing that bit. You have alternating viewpoints um, throughout the story. Uh, is that do you plan those? Like I'm going to write this char- this chapter from this character's perspective, and then I'm going to switch up next. Or do you kind of work out each character's viewpoint ahead of time and then stitch them together? How how, how does that part of the writing come about? Yeah, I always have to write in, in a sort of chronological order, so I can't write scenes out of sequence i have to sort of start from the beginning and then work and keep writing until i get to the end um so as i'm writing it i might think oh i think we now need to hear from someone else to tell this part of the story so it sort of becomes as i'm writing it i can normally think this needs to be now someone else um so i knew for example that this is a character called theo i knew that he needed to be in it because he needed to tell his story but what i did find a little bit difficult was to work out when is the best point to introduce someone else because you've got the, the two women to start with. And then I was like, right, we're going to now introduce this other person. And I don't want to sort of make it a bit like, oh, what? What's going on here? So that is trying to find the right time. But I think most of the time I can work out as I'm writing it. I can think, right, this is this is the right time now. This person needs to tell that part of the story. So I can't, I, I wish I could sometimes, I wish I could sort of stitch it together at the end, but it doesn't, I can't do it like that. Which when you... Work. When you're thinking about different character viewpoints, do you think of it in in terms of um, adding a, a a different viewpoint here will allow me to tell a different part of the story, 
that maybe this other character doesn't know about, and I can I can bring the reader along without jeopardizing what this character knows. Or is it a way to, you know, I can throw the reader off a little bit by adding this viewpoint? Um, kind of, what are you, what, I guess what I'm asking is, what do different viewpoints bring to the story? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think the first one where I like to, it's elements of the story that the reader needs to know, but the other characters don't necessarily know. So it's like for us to, the reader to have like an idea of what's going on. Um, it's important that they see the other side of what's happening. Um, and then obviously, eventually, the main characters will also get what's going on. But at first, it's to bring in another voice, I think, another um, another side of the story that, you know, the, the characters don't know, the main characters, but we need to know. It's like with Theo, we needed to know Theo and his dad because his dad's quite important to the story later on. Right. Uh, and, so, and Theo is important as well. But um and there's things that happen there that all tie up at the end. But yeah, so that's that's how, that's why. Like, I mean, sometimes it's quite nice because you think, oh, I just want to change it up a bit and make it a bit more exciting for the reader if there's another voice. But most of the time, I think it's, it's it helps to have elements of the story. So it makes it more layered, I think, and three-dimensional. One, one fun thing about a book like this is when you get to the end of it, um, you want to to reread the story again. And, and, you know, one way of thinking would be, well, it's, you know, it's all kind of built around this twist. And once you know the twist, then, then you know the story. Um, but one of the fun things about it is rereading the story to pick up on all the clues that you didn't know you were overlooking to begin with. You know, you, you put things in front of us, but we don't know that they matter until, yeah. until we know um, yes, yeah. but then once we know, we're like, oh, I want to, I want to go back and and find all of the ways that that Claire misdirected me or put things in my path that that I just I was ignorant of at the time. Um, <laughs> how fun is that? You know, when you get to the end of a project to know, okay, yeah, I've left all these breadcrumbs. Let's see if they get them. Yeah, that is fun. That is really fun. I do. That is like the the one of my favorite bits of it. I think. As, as, and especially as I'm writing it as well, like I as, as I'm writing it, I'm like, oh, I know, I know what I'm doing. Like I know the twist, so I'm going to put this in here because this would be important. Um, so there's well, there's one scene I won't I won't say too much, but there's one scene where they're in the, in um, a cafe and one of the characters makes a um, a sort of like observation, let's say, of, of one of the characters, and that's important. But obviously, as you, as you're reading it, you're not realizing that's important, but it is important later when you go back and see. Why? <laughs> Without giving anything away. <laughs> you you worked um, as a journalist before you became a novelist. Uh, did did the work that you did uh, then did, did that add tools to your toolkit that you use now as a novelist? I think so. I think I think for me the deadlines. I think when I was a, a journalist, I had to write to deadline and you know write a lot every day. And I think that sort of gives me the motivation and to stick to like a set amount of words a day um, and to try and stick to deadlines. So that re has really helped me, I think. And also I did a lot of um, human interest stuff. So it, that's really handy. Like getting to not, you know, like find out what, what makes people tick. And I think that's really useful in fiction when you're writing about characters. Um, so that was, I think that's really helped me as well. Claire, you, um, you are a very, uh, jovial, happy, bubbly personality, uh, yet you write some 
some horribly dark things sometimes. <laughs> how do you how do you juggle, um, you know, kind of stepping into the darkness uh, to to write some of the things you do and then, you know, uh, be able to, to step away from it and and, you know, soak in love and, you know, uh, all of the good things in life. It is hard sometimes. I think when I'm I sort of I've got my little office. So I come into my office and when I'm in here and I put my I put my little headphones on and listen I listen to like movie soundtracks or like uh series soundtracks. So no words, but just music, dark music. And that really helps get me into that sort of like, you know, dark mindset. Um so I feel like as soon as I step up my office and take off my um airpod things, I'm I can sort of be me again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like I come in and I sort of I come into my office and I sort of change into this dark person. <laughs> so but sometimes when I go on the school run and I've been in this dark mindset all day. I've got to then, you know, act all sunny. And it feels quite strange sometimes because you're sometimes you're in your head still. You're in that sort of, you know, the characters and that dark storyline. So I have to snap out of it. So that can be quite hard sometimes. You know, we we talk a lot about how um, no matter how much success you've had in the past, uh, the great equalizer is the blank page. You're like every author starts a new project with nothing, just a, a yeah. blank page and the keyboard. And, um, you know, here we go. And, and everyone starts at the same uh, at the same place. Uh, the, the other um, kind of aspect of that is that when you have written an emotionally draining book and you've taken readers on this journey, when when you finish that book, you know, a lot of times you're like, I, I can never write a book like that again. It's just, yeah. you know, I, I just don't have it in me. But invariably, you know, enough time goes by and another idea comes in and you get excited about a new idea uh, mm -hmm. all over again. Do, do you have kind of that emotional dip at the end of a book? Uh, and yeah. and how does that resurrect the, the to get you excited again for a new project? Yeah, that is quite hard. I think normally I end up handing a book in around the end of the year. so end of November, beginning of December. And then I can't, and then I, I have to throw myself into something practical, like painting, uh, like a room, or, you know, doing something quite mundane, tidying the house, having a real sort of, and just clearing my head of any type of story. Um, and then I normally get it back around January to sort of edit. And I can't start thinking about a new one, I don't think, until about maybe March. And then slowly, uh, ideas start to come into my head. But normally when I'm doing something quite mundane, so. I, like if I'm painting like a room, you know, suddenly I start to think again about, oh, maybe this or maybe this might happen or. But yeah, it takes me a good three or four months, I think. I need I almost like need a break from thinking about stories and characters. I I just remembered um uh, something I wanted to ask you about in this book. Um, When the, the bodies that are found in the house, um, Rose was the uh, Sappy's grandmother. Um, yeah. was uh, it, the former owner of the house, but now she has developed Alzheimer's. And so, you know, as a as a witness, as a uh, a source of information, she is not reliable because of the the illness that she has. Um, but then you start wondering if if she is um, kind of playing that to her advantage or not. Yeah. Uh, what what was the the idea for you to 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 have her deal with this illness and 
And when did you realize, oh, this is something that maybe she could use to her advantage? I think when I first started writing, I thought it'd be really interesting to write about some like old lady in an old like nursing home who you know has Alzheimer's and um and says she doesn't remember anything. And then as I started writing it, I thought how interesting if it if she actually did maybe remember more than she's saying she remembers because you know what a great way of hiding the truth if you you know might know more than you're letting on but you've got a good excuse as to say as to why you know you can't remember um so it wasn't until i was sort of writing the character of rose the older version of her that i suddenly thought actually that would be a good you know way of dealing with her keeping things to herself without having to you know say so there's a there's a, a couple of scenes where she's been interviewed by the police and then she suddenly just sort of decides that she can't remember anything else and you know she starts saying things that they think oh we should really take her back to her room but it's like can she really remember them so I mean she has got Alzheimer's she does have Alzheimer's but you know with, with Alzheimer's there are times when they when you can remember so um and obviously the times when she can remember she she does really remember but yeah the couple at number nine has been out for about a month here in the States, and, and it is really resonating with readers. Uh, I think right now on Amazon, there's close to 35,000 reviews, uh, you know, after a month. Um, how does it make you feel when, you know, there, there's that that nervousness around release day? You know, are, are people going to like the book? Is, is it, you know, going to matter to people, you know, and, and you, all the, the questions that, you know, go through your mind. And then the book comes out and then you start realizing, oh, people are, are actually loving this book and it's really yeah. connecting with people. What What is that feeling like when, you know, when you kind of get past the nerves of not yeah. knowing what's going to happen and then dealing with the fact that that people are loving it? It is a lovely feeling. It is really lovely because you know, you, like you said, you get so nervous beforehand. You think, oh gosh, everyone's going to hate it. People aren't going to get it or like like it or just, yeah, like I said, you know, relate to it in any way. Um, but the fact that so many people have, and I get so many lovely messages, um, it really does make it all like worthwhile, all that sort of, you know, doubt and fear really worthwhile. But then obviously you start worrying and then about the next one and think, oh gosh, am I going to be able to do this again? <laughs> am I going to be able to write another one <laughs> that people like? So it all starts all over again. But yeah, it's it's really lovely. It really does. You know, it makes it all worthwhile, I think, especially when you hear from from readers who say that they've loved it and um, or they've recommended it to people. It's just lovely. It really is. What are you working on now, Claire? There's, the, you know, is there a, an equally frightening story at work in your mind right now? <laughs> well, The Girls Who Disappeared has just come out in the UK and that's coming out in the US in January. Um, and then I'm, I'm on my so now I'm writing the ninth book, which is still quite early in the early stages but um that doesn't that doesn't come out until a year a year time so i've got a bit of time to write that still um but yes so yeah i'm still I'm working on that at the moment but again you know <laughs> the, the fear and the worry that people won't like it or you know um that they're not gonna think it's good so yes it's like a a sort of turning circle of of worry <laughs> and, and, and excitement <laughs> it's a very big roller coaster <laughs> Well, I think it's safe to say that that readers are uh, are are going to flock to whatever you put out next. So oh. I can't wait to see what comes next. The couple at number nine available everywhere now. We're going to have links to it in the show notes where you can grab it in Kindle edition or hardcover. 
or audiobook. Uh, I've had a chance to listen to the audiobook and it is phenomenal. Um, that's uh, if you're an audiobook person, definitely grab the audiobook. Um, Claire, if people are just discovering you and, and want to dig into everything that you're doing, is there a place where they can connect with you online? Yes. So I'm on, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So I think my, my on Instagram, I'm Dougie Claire, I think, or Claire Douglas Author, I think, on Instagram. And then Dougie Claire on Twitter. Great. We'll link those up and make it easy for folks to find you. The okay. couple at number nine, go grab it today. Claire, thank you so much for taking time to come back on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you.